a team that looked like, well, they, they, they could win the title. And now they look like they're about to get swept. We'll bring in our friend Keith Smith, a Spotrack, friend of show. Uh, we know he's always going to be honest with us with this team. So hopefully you can help us out, Keith, because trying to figure it out. I, I mean, they, the Celtics look lost. The Celtics look disinterested. The Celtics look beaten down. What has gone wrong for this team to put them in this position? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty lengthy list of things. You know, it starts with they're not making shots, even very good shots. They're just not hitting anything. And sometimes, you know, as unfortunate as it is, you go through a cold stretch at the worst possible time. Miami is making everything, uh, open shots, contested shots, all sorts of stuff. Uh, the Celtics defense is not locked in at all, hasn't been locked in uh, for a while now, and showed signs of life in the Philadelphia series of, all right, they, they can kind of do this when they need to and amp it up. And I don't know if they just you know kind of emptied the tank in that series and they don't have anything left, which if that's the case, that's really disappointing, you know, with where this team, you know, studio was planning to head all year long. But now it looks like they're, they're just completely out of answers for this Miami group that is just outplaying them in just about every facet of the game. I'm curious, Keith, I saw that uh, a couple of reporters, including Gary Washburn, after Jalen Brown was at the presser, said that they thought he was holding his tongue, that there was something going on in the locker room that he's not talking about, but there's been whispers about. Uh, do you know what that might be? I, I don't. I, you know, it's funny. I, the, the people I talk to with the team, you know, they, they're never going to give you a whole lot until you get down to this point because then it, you know, there's a chance to always be at the end of a disappointing year. Somebody's willing to say, ah, forget it. I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm going to burn those bridges and go, go with it. But for the for now, everybody's basically said, no, I mean, we're, everyone's frustrated. They're aggravated. They're in, there's some aggravation with each other just from the standpoint of, Hey man, none of us are playing well, but I don't think there's any sense of problem or anything like that. Now, nothing that I've heard uh, directly as far as, you know, guys still not having each other's backs or anything like that. I just think there it's a collective frustration from the coaching staff right through to the players all the way, you know, down. And Joe Mazzula tried to, you know, kind of take the punches last night, but, you know, there's only so much that a coach can, can take the hits on too. So it, it really was just kind of a real, you know, massive uh, uh, game, uh, game three. And they're, they're just, you know, in a spot now where I feel like they are just, you know, they, they, they're, they're just kind of left scratching their own heads trying to figure out where it all went wrong. And, and we know that the Celtics have struggled pretty much all playoffs long, even to competitors like the Hawks. And Malcolm Brogdon talked about that today as well. Like, I know we've discussed how much Brad Stevens loves Joe Mazzulla and how incredibly rare it would be to make a coaching change after you just hire someone. But the whispers have gotten louder that maybe that's not the case. Like, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, so far all you're hearing is support, you know, from, from the players still have his back, you know, the, the ownership, you know, isn't really saying too much yet. They generally don't. They, they, they usually will let, you know, was Danny Ainge for a number of years, and now they'll let Brad Stevens kind of handle that. My big thing is I just knowing the Celtics ownership group and the fact that it took years and several you know, roster dumps of useful players that could have helped them in playoff runs of trying to avoid the luxury tax for them to get to this point. And I think people are forgetting, you know, so now you've got 
a very, very expensive roster with some open-ended questions that could make it even more expensive, uh, you know, around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown potential extensions. Then you've got Missoula was given likely a three-year contract is what, what we heard, uh, but that sounds like that was three years after this year, which would align with what most co- coach contracts are. And then you have on top of all of that, you have Brad Stevens, who is a front office executive, is still pulling down a coach's salary. And, and it was reported he was getting paid pretty well as a coach. So, so now you've got, you're, kind of, you're getting kind of expensive across the board. And even if Missoula is not one of the most expensive coaches, which I doubt he is that's still multiple years of guaranteed money and i i struggle to see this ownership group green lighting saying hey all right you know let, let's pay him to not coach us because i don't know that he's going to immediately land another job and you know there, there's generally offset language in there if you land another job as a head coach you know you're kind of free and clear of paying out the contract but i don't think that's going to happen and i don't know how that would work for him specifically with an assistant job but it is getting louder of you know hey this Screams maybe one of those we can't change all of the players, so you know we need to change the coach. But I'm not I'm not going to say Joe Mazzulla's done a wonderful job because he certainly hasn't. Um, he's made some mistakes, but he is a first year coach. But these players have made these same continuous mistakes under three coaches. They did it under Brad Stevens. They did it under Ime Udoka. Now they're doing it under Joe Mazzulla. I'm not sure that the coach is the only uh, place to point fingers here. And, yeah, you got to look at, obviously, Jalen Brown, who I don't think is healthy, but you got to look at Jason Tatum. And, Keith, I'm a huge Tatum guy. I'm a huge defender. And last year I felt like it was a little bit easier to defend, it, to defend him in the finals because of the injury. But he still hasn't made a field goal in the fourth quarter of these games. He has five turnovers. Game one, he was just a mess. What's wrong with Jason Tatum right now? Yeah, so, you know, game three, I'm not going to – he didn't even play. So that, yeah. you know, that's – you know, that, that I'm not going to put on him at all. I mean, he, he was part of the reason he didn't play because they were getting drilled so bad. So put that on him. But the fourth quarter there, I'm not going to, you know, you know, hold that against him. Game one, just couldn't even get shots. You know, now some of that was his teammates went away from him. They ran multiple plays, whether it was Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, or Malcolm Brogdon, where Tatum was kind of they, – they liked to run him through the baseline – lift him up out of that corner to come up to then, you know, generally flow right into a second kind of action on the, on the weak side. They went away from it and went to the opposite side of the floor as he lifted. And I'm not going to say they were intentionally freezing him out. I think what happened is they got behind and you had a bunch of guys kind of say, I got to get this done. And then when Tatum did get the ball, he was kind of a mess. He turned it over. He had some problems. Now in game two, he did miss three shots, that's for sure. But two of those were rush shots when they were really trying to get shots up very, very quickly. And then he, he did get to the free throw line five times and knocked all of those down. So, so he did have, you know, at least some level of production. And he did have, I think, three assists or something like that in one of the two games. So it's not like he was completely no-show. But, yeah, I mean, that's where, you know, him, the coach, the teammates, collectively it's going to be, if this is the guy who's our guy, right, this is the guy who was, you know, in the mix for, you know, the MVP voting, not not to win it, obviously, but he was a top five MVP guy, we got to get him the ball, right? And he has to demand the ball and make sure it gets him. And when he gets it, he has to make plays, and that just hasn't happened. So that's been a major, major disappointment so far. Talking to Keith Smith, Bet MGM tonight, uh, we've spent so much time, and rightfully so, talking about the Celtics' demise and their erosion. But then there's the other side of things. The Heat are really good and have wildly exceeded yep. expectations. And we were worried they maybe weren't even going to make the playoffs with what we saw in the play-in tournament. 
Is this team good enough to beat the Nuggets? Because, yes, I'm going to go with the assumption that the Nuggets are beating the Lakers and going to the finals. <laughs> is, this heat team, is this Heat team good enough, Keith, to actually win the title and beat a really, really good Denver Nuggets team? Yeah, they are. I, I, I certainly think they, they could. I, I think, you know, Denver does not overwhelm you with depth. They, they've basically got their eight guys that they're going to play, and they're going to run with those eight guys. So, you know, for Miami, they kind of know who their eight guys are. And if, if they could get Tyler Hero back, I mean, it's really looking like we're, you know, we're 10 days out from the finals. So whether these series wrap up in four games, they wrap up in five games, you know, or even, you know, Matt Miracle in a sixth game or something like that, it's still, you know, we're, we're still 10 days out or so, or I guess even more than that um, from, from uh, or I guess 10 days exactly from Tyler Hero maybe being back and ready, and we'll see. I don't know that he'll play or not, and I don't know how much you'd be able to give him, but even if he could give them, you know, 10 minutes a night off the bench, like that's just a little bit of extra depth there for Miami to kind of match up with. When you start looking across the board, too, they match up really well uh, with, with this, this Denver team. You know, they're, they're going to be able to throw some different looks at Nikola Jokic, and you don't really stop him, but, you know, make him work. They're going to play a lot of zone. I think, in this series, which is going to really test Denver's uh, patience and their ability to move through the zone, and they're going to have to make shots. That's going to be a big thing for the Nuggets. Every once in a while, their shooting will go, and when it goes, it tends to be pretty bad for them. So, you know, I, I think we're headed for, you know, a really fun and interesting final, and I do think Miami has a real chance to win it. Wow. You know, I, I at this point, along with you know, the playoffs going on, you have so many of these coaching openings. It's sort of historic how many playoff caliber teams and teams that won the championship not that long ago have openings for coaches. I'm curious, Keith, because Mikel Bridges came out just the other day and said that Monty Williams was not the problem in Phoenix. What, what was the problem if it wasn't the coach? And, and what type of coach in your mind would remedy or could remedy the problems uh, that Phoenix has been having. Yeah, I think as far as what was the problem, I I think they that group had kind of gone as far as they were going to go. And I know Kevin Durant was new to, to that mix, like and only got in very you know a small amount of games uh, with the Suns. But I think you know in the end, when you had Booker and Aiton and Paul and Monty Williams together uh, for you know a, a four year period, I think you know sometimes just Guys get tired of each other. They start tuning each other out. I mean, we saw the disaster loss a year ago um, in their final playoff game, and DeAndre Aiden and Monty Williams kind of go head-to-head, and it never seemed like that ever got fully right again. You know, Chris Paul, it, I, I love Chris Paul, but it looks like it might be starting to go now. I, I think, you know, we're down to the point of you got a question, like, can we even get this guy to the playoffs fully healthy and through a full playoff run? Uh, fully healthy, and if we do, is he going to be able to be Chris Paul still, or is you know that starting to slip? And then I think you know when you throw in a Kevin Durant, I, I call him the greatest plug-and-play player in, in the league because you can just kind of throw him in there and say, hey, do our thing. But you do still need to have some rebalancing of your ecosystem because you're not just going to say, hey, go stand over there in the corner and we'll throw you five shots a half. Like it's not going to play out like that. And then you add to it, Chris Paul got hurt, and now all of a sudden it's. The guy who would have done that, you know, make sure everybody eats and make sure everybody's getting touches, know that he wasn't on the floor. So I think it kind of all came together with a big mess. And I think that is another one of those classic examples of 
well, we're not getting rid of Durham, we're not getting rid of Booker, maybe we'll trade Eaton, we're probably not going to move on from Chris Paul. So it becomes, all right, well, if we want to make a major change, we got to kind of start this at the top. And then let's not forget, uh, Matt Ishbia wasn't there when Monty Williams got hired. He wasn't there when James Jones got hired either. So I think there's probably a pretty short leash on him, too, to get this thing figured out and you know, really get them back in a contender status. Otherwise, you know, every time an owner comes in, you always look for those shakeups up top. I'm curious, Keith, because Monty Williams was considered a player's coach, but some people, there were rumblings that he wasn't really as much of that as, as we kind of knew, and he was rubbing people the wrong way. Like, who's the best coach, in your opinion, for this team? Uh, yeah, you asked me that before. I apologize. I kind of forgot about that as I got going. Um, I, it, it's hard because, you know, you, you look at it, there are good coaches available. Like Nick Nurse is considered to be a really, really good coach, but he's really, really tough on his guys, and he tends to uh, ride his guys very, very hard. And this is a, a still a you know fairly veteran-laden team, and it's a team that's had some injury issues. So I'm just not sure if that's the uh, – you know, the, the way to go. Mike Woodenholzer is, you know, he's the classic. He's going to lift your floor really, really high in the regular season. But then can he get you through? Now, I tend to think the style that he wants to play, it could really fit this Suns team well if they filled out their depth with enough pieces, you know, playing playing that extreme drop defense, uh, maybe getting DeAndre Aiden to take a few more jump shots. Uh, much like Brooke Lopez did. I mean, Aiton came in with – that was supposed to be one of his big weapons was his outside shot, was supposed to be something that this guy was going to be able to do, and, and we haven't really seen it. So I do kind of wonder if he could be the guy. But I I, I, I think, you know, they may just kind of go in-house and say, you know, Kevin Young, who's been there as an assistant coach and is very well-respected. I wouldn't be surprised if they go that way. But it, this is – no matter which way you go, you've got to get this coach higher right because this, this team is – as loaded with talent as they are, there's still a clock on this. You know, Chris Paul doesn't have very many years left. I don't know how many more years Kevin Durant has left as a guy. He's probably going to play at a high level when he plays. But a year, hopeful, what, 55, 60 games, kind of top end out of him each season. So you've got to get a coach that can do that. And more importantly, you've got to rebuild the depth on that roster because it was a real mess. Uh, you know, for, for them after they made their moves, they just didn't have guys who could step in and soak up any of those minutes when their frontline guys couldn't play. Yeah, a lot of teams with a lot of questions this offseason. The Boston Celtics, clearly one of them. Keith Smith, always good talking to you. Thanks for coming on with us.